0: Welcome to the Taking Cancer On podcast, brought to you by Behringer Ingelheim and presented by me, Sebastian Hermelin. In this series, we seek to demystify the role of big pharma in developing cancer treatments, and in doing so, I want to take you on a deep dive into the lives of our very special guests. What are their North Stars? Why are they so committed to what they do? And what are their hopes for the future? Join us on this journey and remember to subscribe to the series and share the podcast with others who are inspired to take cancer on. Welcome to episode three of Taking Cancer On. Today, we will be talking about pharmaceutical partnerships and the importance of research collaborations in advancing cancer innovation and drug development and in getting therapies to patients faster. We're fortunate enough to be joined by two expert guests for this episode, so allow me to introduce them. Firstly, Dr. Scott DeWire, Head of U.S. Business Development at Boehringer Ingelheim. And Scott is joined by Dr. Andrew Fadden, who's the Head of Corporate Development at Enora Bio. So it's wonderful to meet both of you, and yeah, welcome to the podcast. So Andrew, if we start with you, do you mind giving us a short background of who you are? Uh, why you have the position you have at Anora Bio, and last but not least, what is Anora Bio?
1: Sure. So maybe we start with the, the last question there, Sebastian. So Anora Bio is a UK-based biotech. Uh, we're based out of Oxford. Um, there are thirty people in the the company. Most of us are, are scientists by background. Our main area of research at Anora Bio is um, new targets for cancer uh, therapies. And in particular, uh, types of cancer therapies where we we train the immune system to, to turn back onto the cancer and to kill it. So we're looking at vulnerabilities on the cancer cells, new tags or what we call antigens on the surface of cancer cells that allow us to differentiate cancer cells from normal cells. Uh, and there are a couple of different flavors of, of these tags that we're, we're studying. Um, One of these uh, flavors is uh, a new class of um, antigens called dark antigens. In terms of who I am, so I'm a biochemist by training. I uh, earned my PhD at Cancer Research UK's London Research Institute, so I've been involved in cancer research for for many years. It is near and dear to my heart. Um, I then moved into the pharmaceutical industry, Basically, through my career, I've worked on various projects that involve partnerships or eventually outlicensed to other companies. And that really helped prepare me for my current role as the head of corporate development at NARA. So my role involves business development, developing relationships with other companies, uh, sharing our science and company story and establishing long term relationships um, to facilitate collaboration.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much, Andrew. And over to you, Scott. So you're the head of U.S. business development at Boehringer Ingelheim. What does that entail and what got you there?
2: Yeah, great. Thank you, Sebastian. Pleasure to be here. In my role, I get to go out and uh, form partnerships with external companies like Inara Bio and others that have good complementary programs that we can uh, partner up with our portfolio at BI and be stronger together. So how did I get to this seat? What's my journey been? Um, I'm trained as a scientist. Uh, I knew I wanted to be a scientist since I was about 13, and uh, kind of single-mindedly went after this through my undergrad and grad school. I did a postdoc at Duke University, and uh, there I studied uh, receptor pharmacology, which brought me back much more into the fold of uh, drug discovery that pharmaceutical companies do. And made some great relationships through my postdoc with my mentor and with other other postdocs that were there and spun out a small biotech company from my postdoc and so i've been on the journey that, that andrew's currently on but uh in reverse order and um i came to berninger in 2012 uh, first in the research department and then
0: later into business development thank you very much and now when it comes to partnership like let's kick it off with who found who. How did you guys connect? How did you find BI or was it the other way around? Scott, yeah, the, do you want to take that?
2: I absolutely do. Yeah, this is a, a, a relationship like any other relationship. And uh, usually in the beginning, one is pursuing the other and uh, uh, not afraid to say that it was BI who was looking for a partner in this space very strongly. And I can talk about some of the reasons for that a little bit later. Um, but uh, my first exposure to Inara came at something called the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference in 2018. And as part of my role, one of the things I do is I go to these big meetings where uh, pharmaceutical business development people like me from all the major companies are there. Uh, venture capitalists are there. Uh, the investment banks are there. And we're, we're there to meet others who are looking for uh, funding for their idea, partnership for their idea. And so I go to this conference every year um, and I met with uh, SV Health, which is one of the funding bodies for Inara. And they told me about this concept that they were incubating Uh, The company was still in what we call stealth mode then, meaning that they're not actively seeking partnership, but they're just kind of introducing themselves at that point for several years down the road, maybe a partnership. And I heard about this company. uh, It was called Urvax at the time, uh, now Inara, that was trying to come up with a new way to target cancer cells. And so one of the great things that... um, has been uh, happening in the time that Andrew and I have been scientists in the cancer field, particularly the last ten years, is an appreciation uh, of cancer as both uh, cells growing out of control and then also a failure of the immune system. And uh, you know, remember that the immune system's point is to detect self versus non-self, and uh, um, being able to to Find cancer as non self is one of the ways that your immune system can reject cancer from your body. And this is really the science that's at the core of the partnership for uh, Inara and BI. And finding those, those tags on the cancer cell that allow the immune system to make this distinction is really the key here. And that's what Inara does really well. And these little tags are called neoantigens. And so I heard about this company that was in the neoantigen space at that conference. And they were using uh, endogenous retroviruses. So something that scientists had considered for a long time as just junk DNA as getting reactivated in cancer. And I know the company has spread out to many other types of neoantigens since then, but that was just such a neat idea that I said, I need to follow up on this company in a couple of years. So when I came back to the JP Morgan conference in 2020, um, this was at a point where I was really actively searching for a partner in this neoantigen space.
0: So, Andrew, uh, you mentioned before that you're focused on dark antigens. And to me, that sounds like something out of a Marvel or DC comic book. Um, can you explain that f- so that a patient would understand or so that I understand?
1: Yes, yeah, sure. Would be happy to. Um, So as you may be aware, one of the the hot topics in cancer research is to empower patients' immune system to kill cancer in a targeted way, rather than using traditional chemotherapy that's fairly imprecise in its action. And when you think about the immune system, most people think of fighting off infections caused by viruses and, and bacteria. And this happens when our cells are infected by viruses or other pathogens. These cells display markers or tags that the immune system can recognise and as the cell being marked as wrong or, or foreign in some way, and these tags are often referred to as antigens. Uh, and when this happens, the immune system kills the infected cells to stop the infection in its tracks. So at Anara Bio, we're essentially trying to identify antigens or tags on the surface of cancer cells that aren't present in healthy cells in the human body. Sometimes these are called neoantigens. And once we know these tags, we can train the immune system to look for these neoantigen tags and then kill the cancer cells. Um, at Anara Bio, we're not the only company or team looking for new cancer specific antigens. Where Anara Bio differs is that we're looking into new areas of the human genome to find these tags. So the human genome, which is encoded by our DNA, contains a huge amount of information, but only a very small part of the genome is used to make proteins that make cells and organs, enzymes, all the things that put together a human being. And so it's kind of in the known part of the genome that most teams have looked for new cancer antigens. And most of the rest of our DNA was considered to be junk DNA, not really coding for anything in particular, kind of the dark matter of the genome in a sense. However, Inara has found that some parts of the dark matter aren't junk at all. These parts of the genome are actually activated in cancer and can generate new antigens that are specific to cancer cells. And so it's this class of antigens that we call in the dark antigens.
0: Thank you very much. So, uh, Scott, it would be very interesting in this partnership to hear from a uh, beringer Ingelheim's perspective, what, your, uh, what is your goal? What are you trying to achieve here? And what's the sort of the checkpoints or key objectives?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So what we're trying to achieve with Inara is to discover more of these so-called neoantigens in cancers where there's a really high unmet need in patients and and for us our strategic focus of this collaboration is on lung and gastrointestinal cancers And we felt that Inara had the right depth of science and the right mix of proprietary technologies, uh, the right access to um, the samples that are so needed to do this discovery work, uh, to discover these in a way that's different than any other company that we had seen. And uh, it's, it's our goal to take in any partnership what each party does best and put them together. And so with the case of Inara, they are really good at discovering these and we have uh as i explained from some past partnerships we've made we have the way to deliver them to to patients and um there's an aspect of this that both companies believe in the existence of something called shared neoantigens and these are these neoantigen tags that your immune system can latch onto on the cancer that are common across many patients and so it's really this desire to take this concept and deploy it broadly that brought us together and our belief that it's, it's going to take a sophisticated vaccine virus kind of modality, maybe even a cell therapy um, to bring these to patients. And we built that in as part of our partnership too, so that we could say, you know, we don't know which of these is going to be the best, but we want to get one of them to patients and you guys can explore this and we'll explore this.
0: Yeah. And I mean, just following on from that, Andrew, what's the, what's the reasons behind choosing Beringer Ingelheim for this partnership? Because I would assume that you were approached by many other companies as well. So we meet
1: with a lot of companies where one gets the feeling that they've taken a meeting, but haven't looked us up that much beforehand. Um, but I remember speaking with Kevin Pajacic, our CEO, after we met Scott at the JP Morgan meeting that Scott mentioned earlier. And Kevin said that BI knew about Inara or Urvax at the time, knew about our science, had seen our work presented at a cancer conference. um, And Scott was asking exactly the right questions in the science. So there was a strong feeling that BI understood our research and the potential very clearly. And then as we progressed through the discussions, it was obvious that BI had a very clear vision of what they wanted to achieve from the collaboration. So I think when we were looking at potential partners for our technology and, and maybe bringing some funding in around the collaboration, we were looking for a partnership that would allow routes for an hour to move drugs into clinical trials ourselves, as well as ensuring that the pharma partner could still get what they needed out of the research collaboration. Our partnership was one in a series of partnerships that Scott was building uh, to develop these new kinds of cancer treatments. There's a real consistency in, in the message um, that the objectives were clear they weren't going to change um even though some of these fields are really tough to be in i mean cancer vaccines is a tough field to work in i think there's huge potential um but there've been a lot of um failures down the road as well um so i think you know bi as a partner uh, being family owned being insulated from the markets um you know all of that fed into the feeling we had that that they had strategies for treating cancer and going to take a long term view on what success looked like
0: And Scott, maybe that has something to do with uh, your sort of goal to become a scientist already at 13 years old? That you're so interested in the science behind everything and possibly the value behind creating it?
2: Yeah, I mean you said it right. I've wanted to be a scientist uh, since I was uh, just a boy and uh, I I got the chance to do that uh, with my hands and my mind directly for a number of years. Um, And when I first took the job in business development, if if any of the listeners are not familiar with what that job is, you know, I wasn't very familiar with it when it was posed to me. So um, uh, I had to learn about it along the way, too. And one of the first things I thought is I'm going to be giving up my job as a scientist to do this. And this is something that's going to be very hard for me to live with. And then, you know, I talked to people who do this job, and they said, no, 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 actually, you're going to be doing a whole lot more science than you were doing before. And you're going to get to see all of the innovation and all of the creativity, basically, in this entire industry. And so it's it's totally true. What I found in this job is not that I kind of turned in my scientist card, and now I write contracts. It's that I get to see all of the science that's out there and use my Scientific training and my experience to uh, to create these partnerships in different areas, and it's it's just as scientifically demanding, it's just as stimulating. Um, but I think the impact is broader, and that's one of the things that I really love about it.
0: Let's also cover the aspects of patients. So how would you how would you say that your collaboration brings value to patients, or when will it bring value, and how will it bring value? And what do you want to say to a patient listening in to this podcast?
2: Patients are right at exactly what this partnership is about. And that's because we can't do any of this work without patients. And I'll let Andrew talk about exactly how important that is. But the the, the work that we're doing rests on the, the kindness and the forward thinking that patients several years ago with cancer had, because we need their their samples, and their donations to make this work possible. So if I was talking to cancer patients listening to this right now, I'd actually uh, say more than one thing. I would say two things to them. And the first one is is thank you for your commitment to helping us discover new medicines, because we can't do this type of work. Without, without patient tumor samples, it's that simple. It's that critical to what we're doing. And the second thing I would say is keep going. Keep helping us discover because you know we we can bring new therapies forward from the work we're doing today with samples we're getting today for patients several years from now so definitely a thank you for your involvement we're here with you and please keep going
0: that's very nice i i i don't think that many pharmaceutical companies say thank you to patients to be honest so i thank you for sharing that very refreshing view on what you're doing.
1: Just to build on Scott's answer, I mean, our our research is all based on patient samples. You know, uh, our whole um, R and D pipeline wouldn't exist if we couldn't have access to patient data and patient samples. So the starting substrate for our research is a set of data called RNA-Seq, which tells us which area of the genome in cancer cells is switched on in essence. Uh, and these data were derived from hundreds of cancer patients, many of whom gave their consent to this type of research many years ago. Um, and what this, these data uh, allow is us to derive a list of possible theoretical new antigens or, or tags on, on the surface of cancer cells. Um, and then we complement that with a discovery step where we use fresh tumor samples, which we we pulverize and they use a biochemical extraction to to take the tags away from the cancer cells. Um, And then we use a complicated methodology um, called mass spectrometry, which originally came from physics and chemistry, um, together with cloud-based computing to work out which of the theoretical tags are actually there on the surface of cancer cells. Um, And once we we know which antigens are present, then we can train the immune system to find the cells with, with these tags and to kill them. And obviously that's a big part of what Boeing are trying to build with the the cancer vaccine and oncolytic virus uh, platforms and what Inara is trying to build with our cell therapy platforms. So so in essence, patient data and sample makes this all possible, both the kind of the long-term data sets and the fresh tumour samples. Uh, And I know certainly our team feel a, a sense of gratitude as well to the patients who take part in clinical trials as without studying these patients, without access to the samples, we wouldn't be able to do the discovery process. So there's a a strong feeling within our team that the the treatments that we hope to develop for future cancer patients are only made possible by the the altruistic mindset of past cancer patients. This is a a trend
2: I can say, you know, from my seat in, in my search and evaluation role for oncology, looking at many, many different biotechs, is in years past, maybe when we started our careers in the pharmaceutical industry, there was so much more of an emphasis of research departments on cell lines and model systems we could grow in the laboratory. And we have been led astray by these in many, many situations. And uh, there's a a huge emphasis now on bringing the patient into the research process. And the the idea that the quality of what we're going to come up with as a therapeutic is going to be so much higher and so much more relevant because of that early involvement. So, you know, Andrew's company, doesn't exist without patient samples. There are so many other uh, companies that I could name that I've done partnerships where it all started from some sort of a clinical sample or some sort of a patient sample.
0: That's really interesting. And I guess this is where the importance of clinical trials come in, which reflects back to the conversation we had in episode two of this podcast. Of course, as with anything, taking part in a clinical trial means you have to weigh potential benefits and the risks for patients. But from what you've said, I suppose in terms of the benefits, there are two main aspects. Firstly, to hopefully help yourself if you're living with cancer. And secondly, to help the researchers working in drug development. I think that's totally correct, Sebastian. Uh, You know,
2: on the one hand, you could be gaining uh, for yourself some sort of a new therapy that has advantages over other things. Maybe it has greater efficacy or better side effect profile. But on the other hand, you're going to be helping out the research process, helping scientists and doctors learn how to make better medicines. And um, I have seen examples of entire companies being formed uh, based on clinical trials where maybe the the therapy didn't achieve the endpoint that was desired in that clinical trial, but the patient experience in that trial and the patient samples and what we learned from it actually spawned out one or two other companies based on the same idea. So even if you see that that the direct link between your or that therapy uh, achieving approval wasn't there, there's still always things we can learn and we're so reliant on patients uh, um, volunteering for these trials just to do the work that we do.
0: So Uh, We've discussed the importance of patients in these partnerships. Now let's talk about pharmaceutical partnerships more generally. When you start a collaboration, is it critical to establish the mutual objectives, product plans, timelines, and ways of working?
2: Yeah, I think we get there. Uh, It's usually not the first time we we meet that we start hammering out the details like that. We need to make sure there's an alignment of interest first um, and that you know, these are people we can work with, we can trust and uh, share our vision of, of how to get from wherever we are today to drug that helps a patient. Um, and then eventually, once we decide, yes, we both want to go down this path together, we start working out the, the details of what we're going to cover in this partnership and what the timelines are going to look like and how we're going to divide up who does what.
1: I think it's important um, that this isn't completely inflexible, though, Scott, right, in terms of scope and timelines. And that's something, obviously, we've discussed over the past months to leave enough flexibility in the legal agreements that um, you can explore a scientific finding that wasn't initially envisaged. Um, You know, it's worth remembering uh, that cancer biology and immunology is hard, right? So something that seems simple can prove difficult to work through. You need a little bit more time to do that. So there needs to be flexibility in the plan. Um, the key is always the communication between the parties. Yeah, I totally agree,
2: Andrew. Uh, you know, this is one of those examples that I like to talk about of a blank sheet collaboration where two teams come together and we say we have a shared goal of wanting to discover these things. We have different ways we can go about doing it where we're not overlapping each other. And we give patients many different opportunities for all these different modalities to win. So it was one of those, you know, let's not come together and have positions straight away. Let's bring interests together, see where the commonality is, and develop one of these win-win partnerships where uh, hopefully, you know, we get, we get therapeutics to patients. That's the goal.
0: And when it comes to, I mean, we're talking about partnerships here, but what you are doing is essentially collaborating, right? So how important is collaborating in this this industry? From, From your different perspective, how important is collaboration?
2: It's absolutely critical. You know, when I think back to 15, 20 years ago, the way that I was exposed to how scientists do their work you, know, you, you think about the movies and books and what you see on TV, and there's a, a scientist locked in the laboratory in the middle of the night in isolation, making some great eureka, I've done it moment. And then as as we learn, as we progress in our scientific careers, this is not at all how science actually works. Science is so collaborative, and it's about um, you know, incremental progress and borrowing an, an idea from one field and applying it in a new way to a new field. And, you know, this is, this is why you get the quote of seeing so far from standing on the shoulders of giants. And, and, and what partnership does for the pharmaceutical industry and the biotech industry is it speeds up this collaboration. You bring everybody together earlier and all these diverse perspectives, diverse mindsets, expertise in different areas, and that collaboration speeds up the discovery, increases the quality, and drives us all toward the goal, which is new therapeutics for patients.
0: So, uh, Scott, uh, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about, I guess, partly your your own personal uh, partnering philosophy, but also how that is incorporated and, and used by Beringer-Ingelheim?
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, and fortunately for me, uh, these two things line up pretty nicely. So I don't have to, to bend my own personal philosophy much to make it fit in with the companies. Uh, I think these are long relationships. And to be successful, they need to be long. It takes a long time to do drug discovery. And for me, I need to know from the beginning that this is a partner who I can trust in and I know is credible and, and can deliver and so you know, we sit with, uh, with companies and we talk to them. We're trying to get a feel for both the science and the people, the technical risk and the execution risk in one, and then trying to relate to them at the same time because you know, a partnership is a two-way street. We're trying to relay who BI is, what our value proposition is for them. And you can think of us as uh, just another pharma company, but you'd be kind of missing the real value of what BI can bring here we're the world's largest private pharmaceutical company, family owned, and that brings a whole different vibe to the interactions you have, the partnerships you might have. And so um, when we when we meet with partners, we take a really active approach to telling them a little bit about who we are, what we're interested in, and how we're different from other pharma companies. And in short, I can tell you that the, the it all stems from being family owned. We can take a very long-term approach to our strategy, the therapeutic areas that we're focusing on, and people stay at this company for a very long time. Also embedded in the DNA of BI is uh, a very deep scientific view.
0: Andrew, is Scott speaking the truth? Completely.
1: So I think Scott's Scott's right, and we we felt that through all our interactions with BI, we really think there's a great fit in the collaboration here. I think there's been a consistency in there their strategic vision for the collaboration and, and, and the messaging and communication around that. I mean, one of our main challenges as a, a small emerging biotech is that we have so many possibilities for our science uh, and, and more, more ideas than we have bandwidth to pursue. And by bandwidth, I mean both people. So our team is only 30 scientists right now, but also uh, capital. I and mean, even though we have great investors, Uh, we don't have enough capital to invest in all the R&D projects that we'd like to. So I think our partnering philosophy is to find companies with strong interest in our science, and obviously a big part of that is working internally to make sure we have a very clear story based around the data we generated thus far, Uh, looking for companies with complementary expertise to ours and credible ways to advance our science into new therapeutic products, Uh, and then that uh, commitment to, to help fund and finance some of the research as well.
0: So, you've heard from two experts in the field, Dr. Scott DeWire and Dr. Andrew Fadden, both of whom have a scientific background and now work on the corporate business development side of pharmaceutical companies. Scott has given his perspective and philosophies on pharmaceutical partnerships working for a big company, Beringer Ingelheim, and Andrew has given his perspective and philosophies from a smaller emerging biotech, Enora Bio. We've heard firsthand from them how critical partnerships and research collaborations are in advancing R&D in the cancer field, and importantly, developing new cancer therapies. Many people might think that these sort of partnerships are corporate ventures, but as we've heard from Scott and Andrew, they're in fact patient-centric efforts that are established to allow companies to come together and offer their unique expertise, with a shared end goal of developing new therapies for the people who need them most. (laughs) My thanks again to our fantastic guests, Scott and Andrew. I hope you'll all agree that this has been a very insightful episode. And to keep up to date on new podcast episodes, you can follow at Boehringer on Twitter or at Boehringer Ingelheim on Facebook. Today's guests are on Twitter and LinkedIn, and I'm on Instagram at Seb Hermelin. We also encourage you to reach out to us with any feedback or questions you might have. And if you'd like to hear more, then please subscribe to the podcast series and share this podcast with anyone else who is taking cancer on.